You're listening to episode 116 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about the lack of rites of passage in modern industrialized society and their importance at all stages of life, not just in adolescence. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. Rites of passage. Here we go. Let's just dive right in. Listen. In my climbing career, I worked for Outward Bound for over a decade. And during that time, one of the most rewarding aspects of it was how it acted as a rite of passage for many teens and young adults, and a very meaningful one at that. And some people think Outward Bound's just for like youth at risk or teens, but it's just an like awesome part of their entire course offerings. I worked with all ages. I think my oldest client was in their 70s, and also for corporate courses right? As well as the youth at risk program for about three years. Now, a key element of the outward bound mountaineering courses I led was a three day wilderness solo. So not just being in the wilderness as a group, which we did on average for 21 days. I know. Awesome. Right. But as a part of that three days were solo, solo as in alone, students would be out there alone for three days. And of course, we had safety and communication procedures and protocols in place. And it was an element of the program for decades at this point. So we knew how to do it right. (laughs) Often, there was a lot of rebellion at first, right? Even instructors would be like, hmm, maybe we should just do a one-night solo so we can have enough time to bag another peak, (laughs) right? But I strongly advocated for keeping the three-day solo format on the ones I led. Because after all, when does a human ever get three days straight alone with no distractions like a book or TV or radio or another person. And not just no distractions, but not even the possibility for distraction. Not often. That's how often. (laughs) Oh, and they fasted. They had water, of course, but then only a small bag of emergency food. Because that's another distraction we don't have to worry about on the solo. Think about how much time we spend preparing and eating food. It has the potential to take up a huge part of our day, right? And often people, adults as well, would be scared shitless about this whole solo thing. And I answered a lot of questions about like what to do if a bear tried to attack me or what if they passed out from hunger or what if someone tried to attack them in the woods, none of which ever happened on the solos, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of intense. So what's the fucking point of all this, right? Good question. For some people, it was literally to rest, a chance to sleep after being stressed in the wilderness over an intense amount of time, right? Because many hadn't had like this physical exertion over so many days before. However, we also prepared them to use the solo for a deeper intention if they wanted to. Like, what about experiencing what it's like to be alone? with oneself, right? This is often really uncomfortable, not just due to loneliness that might arise or fear of being alone, especially at night in the wilderness, but also because of what arises when we are alone and quiet. 
And why so many of us fill space with distractions, noise, distractions like music, background, TV, fidgeting, idle chatter with other people, talking about shit that doesn't really matter, right? Because this type of opportunity is so rare in modern industrialized societies, what about looking at this as a rite of passage, right? So we'd offer that. And you may have heard about rites of passage in different cultures. Rites of passage are ceremonies that mark an individual's progression from one stage of life to another. So like life cycle events that have been associated with rites of passage are like birth, puberty, transitioning into adulthood, marriage. There's also sacred rites of passage, you know, in someone's uh, spiritual context or secular initiations, like buying a house or graduating from college. And in anthropology, there's an anthropologist, uh, Arnold Van Gennep, I think I'm saying their name correctly, but they identify that rites of passage have three distinct phases, separation, liminality, and incorporation. So let me just go over those three real quick. Separations when an individual is seen to change from their current status in life and has to prepare for a new stage. Liminality describes this in-between period of transition that follows separation. So like someone may be temporarily removed from regular society and then undergo special tasks or activities like rituals that'll prepare them for their new role. So maybe you can look at something like an Outward Bound course or the solo within the course as an example of this. Although not all courses or solos were intended to be that, right? It was just the jam of myself and many of the instructors. Another example might be the pilgrimages that are done once in a lifetime, which are part of Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim religions, for example. Now, incorporation is the final stage where the returning individual comes back and is welcomed back into society with their newly attained status and responsibility. So it's not just a ritual that's like, hey, you're an adult. Now you can go to bars or something, right? It's also acknowledging that along with that passage comes new responsibilities for your community, your people, right? So people would come back from these solos in silence and enter into community again. We'd often sit in a circle and we'd have a ceremonial meal together. And then they would share their experience, their insights. And then we'd continue the course, climbing peaks, crossing rivers, navigating cross-country, backcountry rock climbing. And it was really beautiful to see the shifts that took place from this public acknowledgement. People learning how to listen, right? How to be a member of community and contribute and taking that responsibility with more grace, taking it more seriously, and also having new insights about themselves. Like, so in Zen Buddhism, there's five main rites of passage that traditionally happen at like birth, uh, for ordinations, monastic ordinations, marriage, housewarming, not just like registering at Ikea or pottery, right? And of course, death. So like with the birth of a child, they consult with a monk, like a parents would consult with a monk to help choose a name. Or in the central part of Thailand, it's traditional for a child to shave their head after they're a month old. And towards the end of a person's life, um, you know, chants are whispered into the ear of the dying person. And there's a bathing ceremony that takes place and then to a temple. But even these are more rituals of life stages and major life events than acknowledging an internal process of development, right? Right now, contemporary industrialized society isn't so great at marking even these more external life transitions, like from adolescence to adulthood. 
We have things like getting to drive or turning 21 and quote unquote, getting to drink, right? When we get to the age to vote, we're not even taught how to make decisions about what's best, not just for us, but for the community we're a part of. The responsibility that entails. We're just sort of hope that people learned it along the way. And we're like, okay, now you can vote. Here's a pen and a sticker, right? I remember, you know, when I told my mom, I got my period on my 11th birthday and all the Filipino women there, they cheered for me and they're like, jump up and down three times because it'll make you taller or something like that. And that was it. Well, that, and I wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers anymore, right? Not exactly a celebrated event. Can any of y'all relate to that? Some of the Asian people are like, totally. My mom didn't let me do sleepovers after that. So I started to wonder, well, what are the indigenous practices in the Philippines for menstruation, like menarche when, when it starts, right? And like for many of them, it was actually quite sexist. And in many tribes, the rights like focus not so much on this internal process of becoming a woman, but protecting the girl from like contamination. So even in my own indigenous heritage, the passage from womanhood to adulthood was not honoring an internal wisdom arising, a cultivation of their soul development. And modern rites of passage are obviously lacking in addressing soul level life transitions that are more about internal growth, personal growth, our soul and our important role in community. So by this, I mean, it's not like going from adolescence to adulthood is just an age thing or getting your period. Developmentally, a lot of people reach their chronological adulthood or physical prime without ever reaching psychological maturity. And I don't mean this in a patronizing way. I mean this in an actual, like the field of developmental psychology way. And you may have heard me refer to the term emotional adulthood, and that's related to this topic today too. So I want to talk about rites of passage, not just in the sense of life stage, but also in development of the soul. Now, the ritual itself doesn't create the shift. This is really important to acknowledge, right? A lot of us may take decades to get beyond adolescence in the sense of soul development, not age, right? Myself included. So I want to talk about this really important topic so we don't waste time in this precious life in a stage that keeps us from enjoying the full experience of this life and feeling that sense of fulfillment, of contributing. Research supports that in contemporary Western society, there's a loss of meaningful rites of passage for life stages like puberty or high school, right? But again, the absence of a ritual to mark those stages still isn't the most significant problem with this kind of barrier to personal development. Even if we participated in the most epic ceremony, that in and of itself rarely causes a shift from one distinct stage of life to the next. It can, but it's not the intention, nor is it common, right? Rather, the ceremonies of rites of passage more often confirm or celebrate a life transition that has already, usually recently, been achieved by the person, often over years of steady developmental progress. So I want to talk first about what happens between life passages, because it's really more important to the process of this developmental growth than are the rites of passage themselves. The primary work of maturing takes place gradually and on a daily basis as we apply ourselves to the developmental tasks of our current life stage. And, you know, children and adolescents need help 
with these tasks. And who is supposed to help them? Grown-ass mature adults, not adults working out their childhood crap with their own children or having tantrums while they're the freaking president of the United States of America, for example. So yes, help from mature adults. And that's where I think we're failing right now. For some reason, modern industrialized society doesn't place a lot of emphasis on this kind of maturation. Instead, the focus is on productivity and your grades and the school you got into and the job you get and how much you make. You know, and as I talked about in the last episode on renunciation, there's some legitimacy to worrying about that when you're living in a society that doesn't guarantee you'll have your basic needs met, but the focus is on those things and not, are you a human being that knows your purpose and that will contribute to society in a meaningful, unique way? No. You know, young adults say, I don't know what I want to do. And we say, well, just pick something, ideally a degree that you'll then get paid a lot for and then figure it out. You know, some people are lucky enough to have parents who encourage a gap year, but that's often filled with things that'll look good on the college application that they all fill out a year later, right? There's also programs like the Wayfinding Academy in Oregon that arose out of a desire to help students figure this out. Some people might do, like I said, an outward bound course, even a semester long one, which can help. Some will do a wilderness fast with groups like the School of Lost Boulders or Animus Valley Institute, where I apprenticed with Bill Plotkin. These can indeed be powerful, but still aren't the long-term container that's needed for the process to unfold. So really, you'd be hard-pressed to find something that encourages the soul development of a person and a maturation in the way we're talking about here. So we need to let go of the idea that the transition from like Childhood or adolescence to adulthood takes place in one fell swoop, right? Between childhood and adulthood, you know, there's the adventure of adolescence and it's a real adventure and we miss out on utilizing it as such. You know, although a lot of 13 year olds have officially entered adolescence, there's not a guarantee that they'll ever mature further into psychological adulthood, no matter how long they might live. And according to some social theorists that research this kind of development, the majority of Americans, for example, never do. And I think if we take a look around us right now, that's likely pretty accurate. That's because getting older in and of itself doesn't lead to emotional adulthood, psychological maturity soul initiation. And in fact, most developmental psychological theories classify adolescence as lasting at least until like 25 years old in terms of, you know, developmental psychological theories. And if you ask most people what adulthood means, they'll say things like, you know, when we can fulfill certain responsibilities like establishing a career, steady job, moving out of the home, raising a family. But is this meaningful in the sense of what being an adult really means when we look at what our society needs and what kind of responsibility are those examples of. You know, as Bill Plotkin says, an adult is someone who understands why they were born and are offering their unique contribution to the broader sense of the world, not just to humans, but to the planet 
and all its beings. That is the kind of responsibility that comes with that kind of soul development. So why am I talking about this when my general audience isn't teens or tweens, right? Well, because while it's rare for most in the modern industrialized world, at least, to reach this true adulthood in their teen years or even 20s, it's entirely possible to still do this in midlife. According to Bill's theory in Nature and the Human Soul, there are really two distinct stages of adolescence. And remember, think about this not as age, but psychological development. So there's these two stages and a major life passage between them. So the adventure of adolescence starts with puberty. And I think we can all agree that changes that our body goes through, the hormones, the social shifts that happen around puberty, embodying our sexuality and exploring it. It's a wild ride. And this continues through the years of early adolescence, then transits through the passage that Bill calls confirmation, and then goes into late adolescence, which he calls, and I love this, the wanderer in the cocoon. And we hang out in this cocoon stage for a long time, years even. And you may have heard me talk about the imaginal cells of a caterpillar, right? It's not like the caterpillar transforms just like from its state directly to a butterfly. It actually dissolves. And then these imaginal cells come together to then form the butterfly. So I love that analogy. Then we arrive at the passage of soul initiation, which is when early adulthood begins in the psychological sense. So what we call being an adult is not a sudden transition that happens at a certain age or with a certain external socially sanctioned accomplishment or even a rite of passage per se. Instead, it contains all these stages in between. And so this isn't so simple, right? And it's kind of complex and takes a while with a sustained intention to develop in this way and within a community that supports this. And right now, a lot of people have a difficult time understanding or supporting this process. So it makes sense that a lot of people in modern industrialized society don't reach true psychological adulthood in this sense, right? So Bill shares this nature-based and soul-centered model of human development that shows in detail the qualities of each of the eight healthy stages through which you know, we're sort of designed to progress as humans. And in this episode, I want to focus on just two of these. So those um, are in adolescence and what we're supposed to accomplish developmentally in those stages. And we can check where we are at with that. So in the first half of adolescence, the task is to create a personality, a way of belonging to the human community, one that's ideally authentic and socially acceptable. And yeah, this is hard as fuck, at least if you're a rebellious one, like I am, and like many of you are. And this is obviously easier said than done, especially in our current egocentric, super competitive, materialistic societies, right? But doing this lays the foundation for the rest of our soul development. You know, it's why I focus so much on ZG, When people enter freedom school, radiant inner confidence about who we are and what we want, clarity about that, unfucking the noise that society and our families put in our heads about who we should be and what we should want, and the ability to stand confidently and know staying true to ourselves is exactly what we're here to do. 
and that we can handle the challenges that come up in life. All of it. Even if we fall apart, we know we will get back up and become whole. So authenticity and ZG means to know who you really are, to know where you stand, what you value, what you desire, what you tolerate, and what you don't, and to be able and willing to act accordingly most of the time, despite the social risks. So you can see why this can take years, right? But it can also happen like that in the right conditions. So this is why what makes early adolescence really challenging, right? The second half of the task in this stage, attaining social acceptability. And this is where we can get really screwed in the head about all this because to be a healthy adolescent psychologically, we need to belong to a healthy community. But when we're part of a toxic community that doesn't honor the process of the human soul, if we're going to fit in, then we're at high risk of ending up compromising a lot of our soul qualities. So how do we express this? How can we stay true to ourselves in a way that at least some of our peers in our community welcome, right? And as you know from my last podcast, there's also this epidemic of loneliness in modern industrialized societies. So many people aren't a part of a healthy community that can hold this container, or at least not at a deeper level. And I think this is one of the reasons I gravitated towards the fringes of society. Like in high school, my friends were the weirdos. And in college, I was a dirtbag climber, which back then was a community of a lot of people who challenged social norms. And I felt at home there, but I had to leave society at large to feel that sense of belonging. Now, some of you might be like, wait, Are we supposed to not give a shit at all about acceptance by other people in order to be really true to ourselves? But if we alienate everyone around us, we're not serving our community either. And I do believe humans want to feel a sense of contribution. Now, that doesn't mean society at large has to accept you, but you find your people so to say. It's almost like we have to find that and feel that sense of acceptance at this stage to then break free even more later. So if and when we connect with an authentic personality that's acceptable enough, then our focus shifts from our peer group to the more mysterious parts of nature and our psyche. So this shift is the passage of confirmation I mentioned earlier. So this is when a rite of passage can be super powerful because it publicly confirms the fact that you've succeeded at creating a social presence that is beneficial to yourself and others, right? For your human community. And it then carries you into late adolescence, the cocoon, which is the stage when we begin to ask those big existential and spiritual questions of life. Like, what do I think differentiates survival and living, a social scene and true community, academic achievement and deep learning, a job and soul purpose? Who am I beyond or deeper than my social self? What is death and the universe and soul versus spirit? What is life about? Because we have a sense. It's not just about our job or the degrees we have or the skills we've learned beyond if we have two kids in a house and a dog or a van and an online business, right? 
we ask, what is my unique mystical gift that I bring to the world? Not just to my human community, but to the worldwide community. And then after many years of, as Rilke says, living these questions, after many expeditions of sorts, exploring our psyche and how we relate to nature and the world at large, we discover our truth. David White says, the truth at the center of the image you were born with. Actually, let me read you this poem of his called All the True Vows. All the true vows are secret vows. The ones we speak out loud are the ones we break. There is only one life you can call your own and a thousand others you can call by any name you want. Hold to the truth you make every day with your own body. Don't turn your face away. Hold to your own truth at the center of the image you were born with. Those who do not understand their destiny will never understand the friends they've made, nor the work they've chosen, nor the one life that waits beyond all the others. By the lake, in the wood, in the shadows, you can whisper that truth to the quiet reflection you see in the water. Whatever you hear from the water, remember, it wants you to carry the sound of its truth on your lips. Remember, in this place, no one can hear you, and out of the silence, you can make a promise. It will kill you to break. That way, you'll find what is real and what is not. I know what I am saying. Time almost forsook me, and I looked again. Seeing my reflection, I broke a promise and spoke for the first time after all these years in my own voice before it was too late to turn my face again. Mm. In many traditional cultures and spiritual paths, a glimpse like this is called a soul purpose or calling, right? A vision or the intuition of our destiny which usually doesn't show up in more traditional cultural ways, like a job or a social role, like parenthood, but in a more mysterious way, unique to us. Because it's not a surprise you weren't meant to be a barista, per se, for life, right? But perhaps you were meant to bring morning joy to people in your own way and help people feel seen in their daily life. Then, when you commit to manifesting this vision in a kind of delivery system to the world for the benefit of all beings, and I also believe the planet, then and only then do we pass into soul initiation, with or without a rite of passage, and into true adulthood. So let's take a moment to reflect on where we are at with this ourselves, right? And not to shame ourselves, but to be curious so we can open up to what's possible. Because the world today needs authentically mature mentors to help others in this process. And that doesn't mean you need to go get another damn training. So stop Googling that. I know some of y'all just started Googling that. What it means to engage in your own process and go through this yourself so you can say, yes, it's scary and challenging and I've been there. You'll be okay. This is a big part of how I believe we can heal our society and the planet. So we need to do the work and mentor. 
then rites of passage can actually mean something. A true rite of passage honors the developmental tasks that have been achieved. A true rite of passage honors the responsibilities that are now earned to contribute to society in our own authentic way. This marks the transition. And a rites of passage can also act as a bearing to aim for in the stages before the rite of passage, yeah? Like, oh, I see the direction of where I'm going. So that we don't wander aimlessly on the wide expanse of ocean. We have direction, a north star, a bearing. And when we have achieved our tasks, we're seen by our community. We are witnessed and we own our responsibility. This can help when life gets hard and it's really challenging to live our purpose, to manifest our purpose. Some people say, I'm not motivated. But when we've had a rite of passage that marks our commitment, then we don't wait for motivation. We use commitment, right? So we need both. We need both a more authentic approach to what happens between the rite of passage and the rite of passage to bear witness and commit and own where we have arrived at each stage, right? This is why I designed the Adventure Mastermind to have both. Right? It ushers people through into the cocoon and to the other side. And why there's like an application process? Because if someone isn't ready for this particular stage of entering into the cocoon, it's not going to be helpful. So if you're listening to this, like, I know some people are wondering, well, shit, maybe I'm not ready. Look, you are ready. So don't start going down the path of, am I ready? Oh, I bet I'm not, right? You're asking these deeper questions. You're listening to the voice inside that says there's more to life. That's why you're listening, right? I've designed the Adventure Mastermind to have altered state ceremonies in it as part of the path and as a rite of passage, whatever is applicable at that point in that person's journey. It's created within a context of community that's intimate and connected, authentic and safe. And we also have long-term integration for this process where people learn tools for the exploration and the action that's required to be taken for this growth to occur, to achieve this developmental task, so to say. So what can you do today? One is start creating that intentional community, that healthy community, your chosen community, if you haven't already. Find your people, and you can see the episode on how to make friends from last week. Make and take the time to explore and answer those questions, those deep questions that arise when we're in bed and all is quiet and we want to fall asleep, those existential questions that arise. Take the time to retreat, time alone in nature to ponder. When have you last taken a huge chunk of time to just ponder? You know, maybe you can even do a solo, like a half day solo or a whole day or a whole weekend. And fasting or not, it's up to you. Just if you're fasting, be sure your healthcare provider's on board if you've got medical conditions, okay? If you've passed through one of these stages but didn't celebrate it, maybe create your own rite of passage within your healthy community to market. State what you accomplished and what you've learned and how you will bring it to the next stage. I hope this inspires you to enter into this intentional journey and that it's a bit of encouragement for you to also inspire others to do the same. If you're listening to this and you're like, holy shit, I am so ready for this, 
hey, you've heard the call to adventure. So apply to the Adventure Mastermind now. If it's full, by the time you apply, we'll get you on the early notification list for the next cohort. So you can get first dibs on the bonuses and all that good stuff. So if you feel the call, make this a priority. Head to AdventureMastermind.com now and apply. Your soul's going to love you for it. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.